0: Lord, take my lips and speak through them, take our minds and think through them, and take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Amen. Amen. I've been waiting for the privilege of standing in this pulpit for some time. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve. Last week, my family and I had the chance to take a short vacation to Lake Lanier. It was perfect, all that we needed. Time to do nothing but float along the warm water, (laughs) play with the kids and their growing collection of rocks by a small island just beyond the cove where we were staying, and let the gentle summer breeze drift us along without a care in the world. Running adjacent to that small island was a short, barely submerged sandbar which connected the island to the shore. Our kids soon discovered it. And once they realized what it looked like to others as you walked along the sand just below the surface, they began striding majestically like they were a miracle from heaven, (laughs) walking on the water. And I couldn't help but think of your expectations of the new rector here at All Saints. (laughs) Then, a little while later, as their stately strides gave way to sprints, one of them lost their balance and plunged headfirst into the water, looking far from messianic. And I imagined those expectations of parish ministry again, (laughs) and thought to myself, that's a little more realistic. As I pondered all of that with a wry kind of smile, I looked around at the scene before me. The sun speckled tree line, the deep tranquility of the lake, the love of my family. And I was struck by the sheer beauty of it all. It is my imagination that Peter, James, and John were also struck by beauty. They would come to know what it was like to live a life that rises and falls as they would go on from that mountaintop experience with Jesus to the way of the cross and the mystical journey of what it meant to follow a risen Lord, known but unseen. As his apostles sent out to the world, Jesus came to reconcile to God. They would know what it was like almost to touch the heavens And they would know what it is like to dwell in the darkness as their own lives would be given over in service of their Savior. Yet they would experience all of that with the beauty of Christ transfigured, fixed in their hearts, like a mystery that cannot be captured with words alone. For true beauty is a mystery that is beyond our grasp, It can only be held with open hands, like faithful stewards of a heavenly wonder. You and I, my dear saints of God, are also among those who are called to be stewards of the mystery of God's beauty. Peter's letter says that we are to be with him eyewitnesses of God's majesty it was for Peter, as it clearly was for Moses before him, no small thing to faithfully pass on through word and action. The best description, a heart and a life can articulate what that majesty, what that beauty, what a world transfigured by God looks like. Moses was so radiant, so resplendent with the beauty of God that it scared the eebie out of the people of Israel just to look at the man. I have to say that I get that a lot myself. Yet <laughs> Moses was utterly clear in his mind, and in this instance, quite insistent that the people should come to him and hear all that the Lord God had shared with him on his mountaintop experience. Peter's insistence was no less thorough, admonishing the recipients of his letter that they should, in the end, be able at any time to recall these things. Why? Why did it matter to our ancient forebears that they should receive and retain the full download of God's word to his people via Moses? And why does it really matter that from generation to generation we pass on, among many other things, the spectacular tale of Jesus, Moses, and Elijah appearing in dazzling white on top of the mountain? It matters because in that word being shared, And in that story being passed down, there is also something numinous, a radiance utterly beyond our comprehension, a treasure we are called to be curators of that somehow points us to a deeper truth, that we too are vessels of the glory of God. This week, with only three days into my tenure here as Rector, I already learned that Pat Kali will be my saving grace. (laughs) Yet I have to say that I have met few people in my my life who can pay me a compliment and then bring me right back down to earth all in the same sentence. (laughs) Now, she's worked with rectors a long time, so I'm guessing she's got that particular trick down to a T. When I let her know how old I am, 43 in case you're curious, she said right away, oh, people have been saying you might be younger than that. To which I swiftly replied, you can keep going down at least to the late 20s. (laughs) Pat simply retorted, yeah, they're not going to go down that low, I'm just saying. (laughs) And after she left the room, I closed the door and wept quietly for a while. The nugget of truth for all of us in this is that my version of me and the world's version of me, whoever we are, don't always align. And the hardest thing that you and I can find to believe about ourselves is that we are bearers of beauty. So let me be very clear. You and I have a calling, born in our identity as God's eternally beloved, as vessels of the glory of God, as living containers of the beauty of the maker of heaven and earth. It was Saint Ignatius who said that the glory of God is a human being fully alive. You had better believe it not only for your sake, but for the sake of the calling to follow Christ down from the mountain and out into the world as we struggle and strain to find expression for others of what that beauty really looks and feels and lives like. I should share, given that this is my first Sunday and all, that by and large your vesture were fairly kind to me during the interview process. After 10 hours in the same room together, everyone starts laughing in the end, just not always for the same reasons. (laughs) However, there was one particular point in our conversation when I think it is fair to say that I freaked a few of them out. We got talking about evangelism, and I could tell immediately that the word alone broke some of them out into a cold sweat. (laughs) We went on to what it might look like to invite someone to church. And I realized at this point that I might just as well have said how they might feel joining me for a session of speaking in tongues at the entrance to the martyr station across the street. (laughs) I guess that this particular part of our conversation kind of ended too badly because, well, here I am. But some of the uneasiness points to something the Episcopal Church at large has been trying to work its way out of. Namely, that lives are changed in places like All Saints. People are transfigured in them from the inside out. Churches are communities of transformation and our world is in great need of transformation from top to bottom so we simply have to find a way to invite others to discover that transformational power of God in their lives for themselves. Or put another way, my experience as a priest with all sorts of conditions of people is that whatever the world of marketing and consumer culture and politics and the great long rat race has to say to us as human beings, none of it gets even close to the core message of the church. that people are of infinite and intrinsic beauty and value because they are of God. People need to hear that about themselves. You need to hear that about yourself. I need to hear that about myself. God loves you all the time, every day, no matter what. You are God's eternally beloved. The life through whom God is choosing to transfigure this world from its current state to God's kingdom of justice and hope and iridescent beauty. I intend to go out on your behalf and invite the city of Atlanta to this church community until the pips squeak (laughs) and be assured I am taking you with me. Here's the truth. You are beautiful, a vessel of God's glory. My prayer is that you may know what it is to live into that glory and come alive as a transfigured people of God. Amen.